It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Block Talk Radio. Good morning. Thank you for joining us today. Joining us today, my name is Gail Sylvia, and I am the host of sylviaglobal.com. And I am very excited and quite honored to have two distinguished guests um, bring information to all of you around the world about work that is being done through the U.S. Black Chamber, Inc. here in the United States. Our guest is Aubrey Stone, who is the chairman and currently um, the president and CEO of the California Black Chamber of Commerce. He is also the director of the California Black Chamber Foundation. He was appointed by the California governor, and he currently serves as a California commissioner for economic development. Also joining us today is Ron Busby Sr. He is the president, and the and not only is he the leader of the nation's new premier nonprofit organization, the U.S. Black Chamber, Inc., he is also a business owner and has success has been a successful business owner, which he will share with us today. Um, the mission of the U.S. Black Chamber is to provide committed, visionary leadership and advocacy in the realization of economic empowerment. Um, through the creation of resources and their initiatives, in just three and a half years, they now um, engage 107 black chambers of commerces across the United States. They have a quarter of a million members, and they are in 20 different states. Gentlemen, thank you for being here today. How are you? Fine, thank you. Well, thank you for having us. Quite an honor. Can you talk to us? Let's start with you, um, Aubrey Stone, about your the work the work that you are doing um, as the president and CEO and what your commitments are to your members. Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to be on air. And uh, obviously uh, the work is, is ongoing. It's intense. And uh, in today's economy, it's very, very, very relevant. Um, you know, advocating for uh, minority business, uh, African American business in particular, is uh, a daunting task uh, in light of all the things going on. Now, Ron will speak to a lot of things that are happening on the national level, but right here in California, there are just absolutely infinite amounts of uh, opportunity, uh, like the high speed rail, which is a $68 billion project. Um, that's billion with a B. Uh, that's going to take place in the very near future, and we're heavily engaged in that. And um, I was just picked to be on the business advisory council for that so that we can ensure that there's transparency and um, they give up African Americans the opportunity to engage in the process. What's the most challenging part of, of 
that you know achieving that level of engagement? Where are the obstacles? Um, one of the things that myself and Ron talk about quite frequently is uh, a terminology called you know strategic sourcing, whereby it's just another code name for bundling contracts. Um, in that regard, many many African American businesses that are very capable of performing the task. Um, I don't not have the uh, depth and breadth in order to engage in a uh, 50 or $100 million contract. So consequently, um, we're advocating and fighting on a constant basis to have the entities involved break down those contracts into smaller bites, 10, 15 million pieces, so that African-American businesses can be prime contractors. Are African American businesses, um, business owners, growing in numbers to be able to fulfill um, these different contract opportunities, or is there a small pool of African American-owned businesses? Well, you know, there, there's a there's a relatively small pool uh, in the whole scheme of things. Uh, maybe Ron can speak to the numbers, but uh, in in the whole scheme of things. Even uh, our very successful businesses have the ability to be bond and uh, insured, you know, up to probably fifteen, you know, million dollars, and that and that lies in you know the hiccup, whereby the uh, the entities that we deal with, whether it's a Caltrans or whether you know it's a high speed rail authority, um, will not assume the liability. So uh, these smaller businesses must have the capacity to. Uh, uh, be insured and uh, get bonding. So it it, it really comes. It's not it's not so much a growth issue as it is an opportunity issue to demonstrate your ability, which we have uh, great ability to perform the task. But the opportunity to you know get into the game and thereby uh, have be seen and demonstrate the capacity and thereby create joint ventures. Uh, with some of the uh, bigger companies and thereby uh, get the legitimacy to to grow and be bigger. Are there any examples of joint partnerships with um, African-American business owners and large companies that are successful models? Well, you know, it's it's a, uh, well, yes, to answer your question, yes, there are. Um, some some, um, have good uh, results, some don't have as good results. Uh, because normally the uh, the piece that the large company bring to the table is uh, finances. Um, the African American firm brings expertise, and very and uh, many African Americans are very leery of the fact that um, they would be consumed once that expertise, you know, obviously, which is not you know per se copyrighted, but that expertise is is exposed. And you know the larger firm has the the money to take over the business and or to assume all the responsibilities and and cut out the African American firm. So there there is a a, a hesitation there, um, and people speak of it uh, somewhat generically, but there uh, there is a a a, uh, a with a somewhat withholding not to you know, be involved in a lot. But we do have some that have, uh, you know, been successful in construction arena, and then they, you know, part ways. But uh, there are some, i got to be honest, that uh, there has been some takeovers because of the exposure of the knowledge. 
How Ron um, Busby, how has the how is the US Black Chamber Inc. able to support and provide um the type of support needed to business owners to prevent that from happening um in the future? Or great to question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. And uh, I kinda wanna piggyback off of some of the uh issues that Aubrey brought up and wanna also address one of the questions that you had posed to him. Uh, so before I answer your last question, I want to go back. You ask about the number of black firms. Uh, is it growing? Is it uh, stabilizing or is it decreasing? There was an article that was written uh, in the Washington Post by uh, an author from, Bloom- from the Bloomberg Institute, and it talked and said that the first time in 10 years there were fewer contract dollars awarded to African Americans. It actually went down about 7.9%. Contrast to that, if you looked at the census in 2010, uh, African-American firms were the fastest-growing sector uh, in the country. Uh, So on one side, the numbers are growing. We have more uh, African-American businesses today than we've ever had in the past. It's a good news and a bad news story uh, because now you have African-Americans that were in senior-level positions in corporate America uh, middle-level managers uh, that have now been downsized, outsourced, or just let go, uh, and now are in the entrepreneurial world. And then you look at the story that was written just two weeks ago and stated that fewer dollars were awarded to black firms than ever. Uh, so you come back to your last question and say, well, how can uh, an organization such as the U.S. Black Chamber uh, step in and get involved to ensure that black businesses have the opportunity to do joint ventures as well as just continue to grow. So when we developed our organization, we based it on what we call our five pillars. Um, and the first one deals with your concern, which is advocacy. Uh, here in Washington, D.C., uh, everyone has someone representing them at the table except for historically black businesses. And I say that the days of discrimination aren't as relevant, isn't as covert as it used to be in the past. The challenges that we have now, as Aubrey spoke to him, is really based on capacity uh, to be able to participate in the true opportunities because, as the president says, he wants to streamline and reduce the size of government it makes it more difficult for not just black businesses but small businesses to participate because as Aubrey was alluding to it's much easier and safer for a contractor to award one large contract than to cut that contract up and to award it to several contractors and historically black firms have been smaller contractors and so we typically get the opportunity to do joint ventures or consortiums or be a subcontractor to a prime. If you shorten the window of opportunity, you increase the dollar amount on the contracts, it is going to eliminate the opportunity for black firms to compete. But when we compete and when we establish ourselves, access to advocacy was the number one concern. And so what we have done to be able to eliminate that is to make sure that we have a seat at the table so that we can present black firms that have 
the capability, the size, and we can also internally as an organization uh, bring firms from across the country. You're in Tucson or Southern California. You don't know about firms in Texas or in Miami or in Detroit that may have the ability. We may not share um, programs and philosophies amongst companies in our own communities, and historically that has been the case not just for African-American firms, but for firms in general. But if I know about a firm that I can partner with throughout the country uh, to be able to have synergies and, and compete for contracts, then I'll have a better likelihood of being able to succeed. And so the U.S. Black Chamber uh, has been involved and will continue to be involved in bringing uh, the opportunities. We have historically said that um, we have notoriously uh, responded to RFPs and RFQs, um, and we will put contract opportunities out there in front of our businesses. But we have found that 70% of those deals are already done by the time we get the bid opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so we want to present opportunities for 2014 or 2015, or like Aubrey talked about, particular industries, high-speed rail or solar, or industries where we can get in front of the curb and have a better likelihood of being able to succeed. So part of what we do is really about contract opportunities. And so our five pillars are advocacy, access to capital, contract, training, and most importantly, chamber development. Uh, define chamber development? Good question. Uh, Aubrey can attest to this. I know I can. I came out of Phoenix. I was the chamber president of the Greater Phoenix Black Chamber of Commerce. Uh, prior to that, I was a business owner. Uh, prior to that, I was in corporate America. Nowhere in my learning curve did it ever give me the experience and expertise or education to be a chamber president. Typically, chamber presidents are part preacher, part teacher, part entrepreneur, uh, part mentor, uh, part politician, part editor, uh, and so you have to bring a lot to the table, uh, and so there has been historically not a best practice for chambers throughout the country, so the U.S. Black Chamber uh, wanted to raise the bar so that all chamber presidents, one, had an ability to see what the best practices were, to be able to share those best practices amongst all of our chamber presidents, to be able to set a, par a bar uh, that all of us operate on. So once a year, we bring all of our chamber presidents to Washington, D.C. This year it will be in July, July the 24th to the 27th. Uh, and we have various classes from building a board to uh, how to do your finances. We also have things in reference to uh, how to develop best practices, contracting opportunities with the agencies here in Washington, D.C., policymakers, procedure makers, and then we do matchmaking uh, on the last day. And this year we're bringing uh, not only our chamber presidents, but we're bringing 100 to 150 of the largest black firms from across the country to our last day, which is Friday the 27th, where we will spend a half a day at the White House uh, talking to the true policymakers, uh, bringing our business owners in front of them so that we can tell this administration these are folks that uh, have employees, they write checks, they have payroll. Uh, we represent you know, a billion dollars that will be uh, here with us, uh, and we want to make sure that our concerns are being heard and addressed, as well as put opportunities in front of those business owners to be able to continue to grow their firms. You know, Ron, you said earlier in your comments that 
um, there was a period when the African American business community was the fast had the fastest growing number of firms. And who is if we are not in that position today, who is? No, I said in 2010, uh, the census said that African Americans were the fastest growing. Good question, though, because if you look inside that sector, uh, and this may be very interesting to your audience, the true fastest growing sector in this country in reference to business owners are African American women business owners. So black women Mm. are the fastest growing uh, sector uh, in reference to business population. Where is that? Where could our listeners research that? My guess would have been that it was Latinas. No, it's actually, if you look at the the percentage of growth. Okay. Uh, and Aubrey can definitely speak to to that from from a California perspective, and then I can uh, kind of piggyback on on, on the African American woman uh, perspective. But Aubrey has a compelling story that talks about. Can you share the that, Aubrey? Mm-hmm. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Ron is Ron is absolutely on point. Um, specifically to your question, Gail, uh, as as the uh, dial is set right now. It's uh, white women, uh, still women, but white women. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, you know, for all the reasons that Ron indicated, downsizing, outsourcing, let go, whatever. But they have been there, you know, coming in uh, and in their own right in uh, very technical fields, I might add, to engineering, architects, stuff like that, and A&Es. But... Uh, it is white women in California. There's, you know, just to give you some raw raw numbers, and to emphasize the importance of the the black chambers, not only in California but across America. Uh, right now, the last SBA, and that data is all on the SBA website, SBA Small Business Administration website. Um, right here in California, um, there are 1.1 million, 1.1 million. Certified, that means known, met criteria, standards, etc. 1.1 million white women-owned businesses. There are approximately 850,000 uh, Hispanic-owned businesses. Not that's white, that's men and women. And there are approximately 450,000 Asian businesses that are certified and, and met standards. And we are up in California from 112,000 to 120,000 African-American-owned businesses. Um, but if you just, just look at the numbers, 120, 450, 875, 1.1, 1. 1, it, it reflects and indicates to you the, the need for increased goal, uh, growth. And, 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 and why this growth is so important it's because one of the things that myself and Ron are trying to do is trying to create an environment where African-American communities are economically sustainable. Um, uh, and, and, I'm, and, and it's not to say that whether, you know, we go back to, you know, Johnson administration or we go back to civil rights and, well, civil rights was, was uh, advocating for various things. The key now, today, is that you have to be economically sustainable. And if a community is not economically sustainable, 
then obviously it doesn't, you know, take a genius to understand that there's going to be some other out outsourcing from that, i.e., increasing crime, low education, and a whole litany of things that occurs when a community is not economically sustainable. So, um, to that end, I, it's not a, a, a pun against anybody, but people, uh, and it's not a, a, a racial thing per se, but people are comfortable around people that look, act, and feel like they do. So, consequently, you don't you don't go into a uh, an Asian restaurant per se and see African American employees. But if we have more African American restaurants, then you would see more African American employees. And and there is a a downflow that occurs from the increase in African American businesses. Not to mention all the things that people, God bless you, that you and your husband have accomplished and are doing now. Um, that drives not only the economic engine, but the social agenda uh, in in the community that you that you live in. So, um, as you can see, while there is uh, uh, extreme growth among African Americans um, compared against the other sects of the uh, of society, we have a lot of room. Uh, we have a lot of room to grow. And if I just may take one quick second. Ron touched on something that I think is very, very important. African-American or black chambers are a movement. Uh, chambers like, you know, Rotaries and, uh, and organizations like that have been around for the, for the sole purpose of bringing people together of like minds to, to build relationships. Um, chambers, for the most part, there are some that started even doing segregation down in Texas, etc. Um, but really, in the mainstream of America, black chambers, African American chambers, are relatively new. And and for so long, African Americans in general have been trying to go it alone and trying to figure out how to you know put a, a square peg in a round hole until you know what. What has been brought to the table is a synergy that has never existed before. We've had it. We had that synergy in civil rights. Now we've got to create that synergy in civil, civil rights. That's money. We've got to understand how money operates, how important it is to have relationships, how important it is to uh, be structurally sound. And, and and God bless the efforts of, of, of things that you've accomplished, but that is a minuscule, a minuscule of the 42 million uh, African Americans uh, in America that have that capacity to perform. Now we don't we don't profess that we're going to be you know some guiding light and and to be the, the the end all for all, but if we can just increase that percentage. Of education, that percentage of understanding how business operates, that percentage of understanding how important it is to advocate for things that are important to you, then I then that is the reason and purpose uh, for the U.S. Black Chamber of Commerce. Thank you. In order for there to be in order for there to be successful black communities, 
there needs to be successful black businesses. Absolutely. In order for there to be Absolutely. successful black businesses, there needs to be successful black chambers. Absolutely. So you cannot have a successful black sustainable community without having the resources of a black chamber that is to support it. Let, uh, we have a, a listener. We have some calls and texts that have been sent over from listeners. Let me see if I can get um, this first caller. Hello, you're on the air. Hello. Are you talking to me? 314? Yes, 314. Yes, Thank great. you for joining us today. Do you have a question? Well, I have a question. It's sort of like a little a, a statement. That, and I would like to also talk to one of the gentlemen after your show is over. But, uh, and I'm not saying this in a disparaging way, but according to the 2007 census, the Asians are running away, not, is running away from even the white businesses. When you look at the equally male and female owned, they are, the two of them are doing, you know, much better than male, female, and, and white combined. Of course, the white male businesses out there, but, you're absolutely right. Blacks have got to, and I say we, we have got to do much better than what we're doing uh, in business. Uh, our businesses, 87% of black businesses, according to the 2007 census, which is the last data that came out so far, says that 87% uh, of our businesses gross less than $50,000 a year. And uh, the female, the black female, Average is about thirty-seven thousand compared to the Asian females, it's about one hundred and fifty-eight thousand dollars, and that's a great big difference there. And uh, it's, it, 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 we just got to do better. We, the politics that we have, is no better than what we can pay for. And if you look at some of the success stories in politics, like Atlanta, Maynard Jackson made millionaires that was able to help finance, you know, future. Of black politicians way in that city, so uh, mm-hmm. I agree with you. And you know another thing: we have to get into manufacturing and production. And believe it or not, we have to utualize the African continent for that manufacturing production. Mm-hmm. That's actually utilize, going to be one of the next questions. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. And utilize the leverages that you have there. The fact that we have some some country we have free land. You have the African Growth and Opportunity Act to bring those things back into the United States that's uh, duty-free and tax-free. Then get this. We need to use affirmative action to get shelf space on your Walmarts, your Targets, your Kmarts. Use that affirmative action that way. And then, uh, and another point, too, if you can uh, pre-manufacture there and finish manufacture here, you have all sorts of tax breaks and grants from the federal government because you'll be putting Americans to work. So, uh, appreciate the comment. Uh, yeah, appreciate the comment. This is Ron Busby. I, I wanted to address a couple of comments that you made. Uh, first one in reference to uh, the Asian business uh, percentages. I was speaking to the number of firms in reference to the percentages of growth. And so when Aubrey talked about the number of black firms in California as it related to the number of white women firms, white women firms, by far, even if we doubled in size, we would still be in last place. When I talked about the percentages of growth for black women businesses, it's very easy for us to have 
double-digit growth when the number that you started with was a small number. So the question was, which was the fastest-growing sector? It is going to be black women. So we have to make sure that we include them in the dialogue and conversation about how we continue to grow black firms. Secondly, in reference to... In reference to the diaspora of Africa, uh, last year during our School of Chamber Management, we had uh, the ambassador for, for Botswana uh, come and speak to our chamber presidents about the opportunities. Uh, since that meeting last year, July, we have taken over 40 African-American businesses from across the country to Botswana uh, to talk about just those exact concepts, manufacturing, distribution. And true enough, they have land that they are willing to provide you. They have the initial startup capital that they're willing to provide you. We just need to get into the mindset of export and import as a true uh, opportunity for black businesses. We do what we're exposed to, uh, that we're exposed to, and in many cases we just have not been exposed, and the trust factor has to be addressed. But I think it is definitely part of... uh, our sustainability as a people to continue to grow and prosper. Ron, are you also taking groups to China? Uh, Currently, we have been working uh, specifically with Africa. We have not looked at uh, other countries or continents at this point. There's another caller. Let's see if we can get their question on before we wrap up. Good morning. You're on the air. Hi. Yes, I had a question. I know um, Aubrey has been noted as saying that there's really no insurmountable challenge in life. It's all a matter of attitude. And I was just wondering, as an entrepreneur, um, sometimes have you ever um, faced moments in business that maybe felt that way at the moment, and how did you stay focused to overcome it? Thank you very much. Well, if if I can just address that real briefly, the and and that's an excellent statement because you know nothing good is easy, and this is good. Uh, to build sustainability, you know, for yourself, your family, and your community, uh, and in part the nation, is is a good thing. Um, but at the same time, you got to understand that it it doesn't serve the greater purpose of the majority for African Americans to come together, especially economically, because that is a that is a tremendous. That is a tremendous economic block. Nielsen, uh, with the NNMPA, uh, most recently last year at the Black Caucus, indicated that by the year 2015, just the African-American community alone is going to generate $1.1 trillion in revenue in this country. Now, there are, there are entities out there, whether it's Madison Avenue, marketing, everybody understands what that means. I mean, they know the colognes you use, they know the cars you like to drive, they know the toothpaste you want to use, and they would rather keep all that money within their realm instead of having you build your own company and generate that money within your community. So, um, but uh, to answer specifically your question, young lady, Surround yourself with like-thinking people. Surround yourself with positive people who will not just, you know, wallow in in the misery and commensurate in the misery because it's a challenge. Um, Uplifting people, people that keep you focused. Focus, focus, focus is the key. 
if you have an agenda, um, if you're going to live or die by the, an agenda, let it be your agenda. Don't let it be someone else's agenda. And uh, stay focused on the goals and objectives you're trying to accomplish and surround yourself with positive people. Can, can, I, can, I, can I give a real quick, because uh, I'm, I'm a business owner. I started with five employees and grew it to 700. I had every uh, catastrophe, every bad news story happen to me during those uh, 20 plus years as an entrepreneur. I want to say this. As an employee, January 2nd, you get, here is your objectives, here's the goals for the year. April 1st, they'll say, here's the goals for the quarter. Uh, May, they'll say, here's the objectives for this month, and you may get objectives for the week, and you'll have a task list for the day. As an entrepreneur, you typically get up each morning and say, what are my challenges today? How am I going to make payroll next week? How am I going to provide my customer with products or services that they have ordered, or how am I going to get them to sale? You have to work just as hard, if not harder, as an entrepreneur to think and work on your business as you do in your business. You have to create a vision board, and your vision board will keep you focused, as Aubrey talked about, so that you don't get caught up in the day-to-day situations. That will happen. Uh, When you're an employee, though, you have other people that will support your agenda. As an entrepreneur, you have to, as Aubrey stated, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you in those particular areas. Get two things, a vision board, and put where you see yourself in five years, ten years, twenty years down the road, and think about that exit strategy day one. And then two, create a board of directors. Create someone that you are accountable to every month, just like you are an employee and you go to a staff meeting and you say, here's my report, this is what we're doing in accounting and marketing and finance and operations so that you will stay focused on the big picture so that when those things come at you as they will, you can still look at it from the big picture perspective and stay uh, stay the course. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us today on sylviaglobal.com. I'm, we've ran out of run out of time, and I didn't let me get just, to let me all just the say other two questions. last things. Go ahead. www.usblackchamber.org. www.usblackchamber.org. For your audience, please go take a look at our website. Uh, contact us for more information, and most importantly, join your local black chamber. They need to be there, and they need to be successful so that our communities can be successful. Aubrey Stone, chairman of the the and CEO of the California Black Chamber of Commerce, Ron Busby, senior president of the U.S. Black Chamber, thank you so much for being here with us today on Sylvia Global. This broadcast is also available um, on sylviaglobal.com with the information for contacting um, both of these guests, along with being podcast on iTunes. I hope you'll both come back. We have a lot more information to bring to the world about the work that you are doing. And again, thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the opportunity. Our pleasure. Thank you.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.